Joel 3, 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And before we pray, I want to say something. Joel was speaking about our time, not his time. For the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when the Lord is really two things. He comes back for his church and then he comes back with his church. And if you study the scriptures and you read, you're going to find out that it's probably more difficult to live for God today than it was in the apostles' day. If you were walking the streets and healing the sick and doing miracles and doing all those things, I know people persecuted them, talked about them, put them in jail, beat their back, but they always had the victory. They didn't let anything bring them down. And today we don't have that going on, I'm sorry to say. Uh, there's probably reasons for it. I'm not going to try to talk about it, but uh, I want to rehearse uh, after I pray it about Brother Lot. He was the one that made the bad decision. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your pr privilege to minister your word today, God, and we confess we're nothing, but we also confess that you're everything. We just need your anointing upon these words today. Let it touch the hearts of the people, God, and my heart also. Just let your will be done, and we'll give you praise. We'll give you glory for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. The first part of this was about Lot and Abraham who had traveled, and God had called them out, and, and God was blessing them so much with their sheep and their cattle. They didn't have enough room where they was at, so Abraham said, make a decision. Where do you want to go? If you go left, I'll go right. Why did it make any difference to Abraham? Because Abraham was a very settled person in God, and God listened to him. But Lot chose the green valleys, the water, everything he thought he needed on this earth. And we read about how he went down, and he pitched his tent up near Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah, the worst cities in the history of the Bible as far as God having to destroy it before time. Next time we read about Lot, he's not out on that side. He's in the middle of it. He's the keeper of the gate. He's uh, got two daughters, and everything seems... Uh, to be totally different in his life, and then God shows up. You know, everything's all right in what we're doing sometimes until God shows up. When God tells us, hey, wait a minute, this is not the way it's going to work. And you know the story how he told Abraham he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and how Abraham asked for 50, then 40, then 30, then went on down, and they couldn't even find 10 righteous people there. But he wanted, Abraham wanted him to spare Lot. So God sent two angels in. And uh, just read the story. But Lot made a very bad decision in everything he did. Guess what? He moved down in that valley, wealthy, had everything that people would want in that, those days. He left Sodom and Gomorrah. He left a dead wife behind him. He had two daughters 
who had become perverted because of living in that city, because we know that after they went up on the mountain, they, one said to the other, let's get our daddy drunk and have a baby by him. That's perversion, okay? That ain't something that even normal, nor near it. So what happened? They had the two kids, and I don't remember the name of the kids, but it was the two cities that mostly, mostly, where those kids started, it caused Israel so many problems. So many problems. Sin causes problems. There's nothing good about sin. And sin is always the wrong decision. Sometimes we pray about it, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes God speaks to us, and we don't listen. I'm talking about everybody in this building, okay? I'm talking about myself. We don't listen when God talks to us because our self wants certain things. But I want to tell you, God has what's best for us. And if you're here today and don't know Jesus, I want to stop right here and tell you, the best decision you can make today is come down to this altar and surrender your heart to Jesus Christ and start on a new life. But let's, let's go down to the one, that man who made the right decision. And I'm going to try not to hold you long. Hebrews 11, 24 through 27. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That is so important. Let me tell you something. Moses was in a great position as far as the world was concerned. And I'll talk about it a little bit later, but... But he could end up in Pharaoh. You know, there's a lot of things you could end up doing. There's people who make decisions about their job. And you think it's so great and so wonderful, great position, but it might not be as great as you think it is. And it said in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, this scripture talking about him leaving Egypt was not the first time he left, when he had killed a man and got fear and went and gone off 40. This is a time when he is face to face with the king, and he's doing everything he can to convince his, uh, the king to let Israel go. But he showed no fear ever about it. And I thank God. The order of uh, Pharaoh back then when Moses was born was to kill all the male children. And when Moses was born, his mother saw that he was a, a proper child is the way they put it. She hid him in the bulrushes where Pharaoh's daughter came to babe on the, in the Nile River. And, of course, you know the story. She saw the baby, and then his sister came to him and said, I got somebody that can take care of your baby. And uh, she said, go get him, I'll pay him. And I, I always thought, that is typical Jewish. <laughs> get somebody to pay for your own child to take care of him. <laughs> but that's also God's blessing. That's the way God did it. And God blesses us that way so many times. 
Now, there's no doubt when all this happened that God had chosen uh, uh, Moses to deliver the children of Israel. Let's remember they'd been in bondage almost 400 years. They had a new Pharaoh there that didn't remember Joseph. They started having so many kids. That's why he's had the males killed because they're afraid of war. They're afraid that Israel would take over Egypt. So they started doing some things about it. But to Israel, it seemed like a great plan that, that Moses would take Pharaoh's place when he died because he was the son of Pharaoh. One scholar said there's no doubt that he would have been Ramsey Third if Moses had stayed there. And that all seems good. Sometimes we, we have plans, don't we? We think this is the best way we ought to do it. This is a great plan. We think about it. And that's the way they were looking at it. Well, one day Moses will be over everything. Well, Sometimes these best plans is not God's plan. First, Moses had to learn by been taken out 40 years that he wasn't chief among them. You know, Jesus says something that's so important, and sometimes we forget it. Jesus said, he that's chief among you, let him be your what? Servant. Now, I'm the pastor. I know my position. But I'm not here to pastor you as far as telling you what you've got to do and you better do and this is the way we're going to do it. I, that's not the way it works. I'm a servant. And I try to do what God speaks to my heart about. And that's what we all do if we've got any kind of position in the house of God. But see, God had a better plan. He wanted to, plant, to deliver Israel with a supernatural plan. Now, if Pharaoh had died and Moses had become Pharaoh, we have no idea what would have happened. One thing that may have happened, that the Egyptians and the Israelites would have mixed so much that no longer would there be an Israel. We don't know. But we do know that God had the best plan. God always works with the supernatural. And I'm going to try to go slow where you can understand what I'm saying today. But I'm going to tell you something. We're getting in trouble in the church today trying to do it in the natural. Yes. Trying to work it out in the natural. Get this program going. Get that program going. And I know there's good programs. I'm not going against it. But what I'm trying to tell you that you are not going to reach outside these doors except through the supernatural power of God. Oh, you might fill the church up, but what does it fill with? Hello? So it came time when Moses left. Forty years. He must have been a hard-headed guy. Anybody know any hard-headed people? Donna raised her hand because Tim ain't here. (laughs) 
tell you the truth, we're all a little hard-headed. We all get in our mind how things ought to be. Our ideas are always the best idea. Hello. But only God's ideas are the best. He's the only one. See, when he sent Moses back and he started using the supernatural powers of God, and I'm going to tell you something. You listen to me. He's not going to use you unless you make the right decisions. Listen real close what I'm saying to you. Moses had to stay 40 years on the backside of the desert, left Pharaoh's house, which had everything, and went to, took, he went down to, I forgot what land it was, but 40 years he was there, keeping sheep, learning to be a servant. Boy, this is good. Amen. This is good. You know how sometimes it's good people shouting, and sometimes it's real good when they get quiet. Forty years, saw the burning bush. God spoke to him. He went back. No doubt had some fear that he might be killed, but he obeyed God. God showed him some supernatural things around that burning fire. Nobody was healed. No need was met. God was showing him his supernatural power that he had. Throw the rod down. He threw the rod down. It became a snake. He ran from it. Boy, so many sermons in this thing. I just can't get to all of them. So we see the supernatural when we run from it, don't we? Then God says, go, go pick it up by the tail. And he went and picked it up by the tail, and it became uh, a, a rod again. That didn't convince him. We are the most hard-headed people in the world. Did you know that? Now stick your hand in, in your bosom, and he did, and he pulled it back out, and it was solid white with leprosy. Now, you don't think that wouldn't get your attention. It did. And he was so glad to hear God say, now put it back in there. <laughs> and he put it back in there, and he come out, and it was like the other one. He was convincing Moses of his supernatural power. God does not work in the natural. He's a super God. He works in the supernatural. He may cause some natural things to take place, but I want to tell you, the beginning of it is with his supernatural power that he used, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Oh, glory, I feel it. There's a price to pay. He paid a price. Read his life. The better life for him as far as some things concerned was when he was keeping the sheep. But I'm going to tell you, when God starts using you, there's some suffering that's going to go with it. And Moses suffered much. So many times he was disappointed in his people after seeing so many great things that God would do. That's one thing that's wrong with many of the churches in America today. 
We've lost the will to suffer for Jesus Christ. See, most Christians today think suffering for Christ's sake is when we don't get our way. I know I'm usually more excited and running back and forth and doing all like that, but I want this to sink deep in our hearts. Not getting your way is not suffering for Christ. But there are there <clears throat> there's some suffering we must do for Christ. Paul said, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. If you're not willing to suffer and take reproach and what people say about you, don't look to be reigning with Christ. Moses chose to suffer the afflictions with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Paul said in Philippians 3 and 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Oh, we love that. Watch a song. We sing about him on the cross. We sing about the resurrection. It is exciting. I love it. But I'm going to tell you it's more than just the resurrection and it's more than just him dying on the cross for us. I'm telling you today, there's some suffering we're going to have to do for Jesus Christ if we do his will on this earth. The fellowship of his suffering. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the blessings of God. You can't have the power of God. You can't, unless you're willing to suffer with him. Most people today in church, if you hurt their feelings, they're gone. Hello? You're meddling. I know it. I meant to. I was telling a guy the other day, we had a couple that sit right over there somewhere. Been coming for about five years. She'd visited our church a couple times. He wasn't a Christian. She did come with her one time, and she kept back from going to church. He said, if you go to Evangel, I'll come. And they did. And he got delivered. He got saved, and he got delivered from his cigarettes. I remember him standing, talking about it's been six months, it's been a year, been a year and a half. Wonderful testimony. One day there wasn't that. I called. Didn't get too much of an answer. Finally, I heard from the grapevine that somebody that was sitting close to him had offended them. If you can't get offended, you ain't going to heaven. And the Bible says, if any man offends you, go to him. I'm telling you, this word means what it says. And it says what it means. I could tell you a hundred stories like that. I love them. I, I talk to them still. I see them have nothing in my heart against them. But I'm just telling you, if you're in a place where you get your feelings hurt and you get out of church, then you need to get saved again. 
Are you mighty tough, Pastor? Mean to be. It's the time we quit playing around here and get down to business with God where we can see some of these sick people healed, delivered, God moving. Let me tell you what's going to draw sinners to this church. is when we have a revival and we put out there on night sign, 10 people healed this past Sunday. Come and be healed. And I've seen people healed. I've seen people healed of cancer. It's hardly anything I haven't seen them be healed of. But I'll tell you, when I saw those things, we were willing to suffer for it too. A woman that got uh, healed up in cholera, had 10 malignant tumors. Husband was a heathen. Raised in church. She wasn't. She come to our little it was on a little uh, service station that time before we built the new church, and she came, and it probably held about six pews right there, I guess. She had a couple of chairs, and she come up there one night and said, I've got cancer. I've got 10 malignant tumors, and she said that standing back there, and she said, I just like for the church to pray for me. And she came, but she didn't come down all the way. Nobody laid hands on her. The church prayed. She went back to her seat, stood up, and said, I know God has healed me of this cancer because I felt a warm feeling go all the way through my body. Her heathen husband would not accept it. She had to be operated on, which was not all bad. I mean, it's bad for her, but far as the, the proof of things. And when they operated on her, they couldn't find anything. The ten, those cancers was gone. The only thing was left was a little something that held the cancers. Well, the doctors know it was there. And her doctor said, brought another doctor in and said, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen in my life. I said, what do you mean? He said, she had five malignant tumors, one of them the size of grapefruit. When I operated on they're all gone. She said, you want me to tell you what happened? And the other doctor said, sure. She began to tell him what happened. Finally, he said, hold it, lady. Don't say any more. Every hair on my head standing up right now. <laughs> Come on. We need some of that again today. Yeah. Hallelujah. We need some of that today. Yeah. Quit worrying about your position in church or whether you're a Sunday school superintendent or what all. Whew. If I had time in life, I'd let each and every one of you pastor for two weeks. Amen? And you'd say, where does all these crazy ideas come from? When I was young, I'd probably say something, but i just smile at you now. I know sooner or later you're going to forget them. Let me tell you something, what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the power of God moving in this church like God wants it to move. I know what God said to me when he sent me here. I know everything is just like he told me yesterday and it's about 18 years ago, a little bit longer. But let me tell you this. God does not change. This church, God is raising up in the last days to get his people ready for his coming. And he said, Evangel is one of those churches. And we should never, ever forget why we are here. Come on. 
It's not to get our way, but it's to get people into the kingdom of God. Woo! Glory. Well, Christians around the world suffering. China, Islam countries. I was reading a book the other day, and guess what? It's a good book. Sometimes God put it out and putting out all the proof with it. God is raising himself back up in Europe. God is moving. God is trying to get this world ready for his return. He's trying to get his church ready. You can't live like you want to live out there and come to church and be something and then go back out there and do the same thing. You've got to live for God. He has to be number one in your life. If he's not number one, he is nothing. So what's that got to do about decision? Everything. Love not the world, neither the things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Think about it. I used to think pride of life. Yeah, that's people wanting to feel important. When Jesus says, right opposite, you go down. You ain't going to go up until you go down. Woo. I might stop now and preach the rest of it next week. <laughs> By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured and seeing him who is invisible. Amen. I believe every decision we make as Christians should be made with this formula found in, our, in these verses I've just read to you. Esteem the reproach of Christ, greater riches than this world. See, I'm old line. I come up old line. I was raised in the sinners of God. I wasn't saved. You've heard me tell this. I thought about going to college. Filled out an application on, got to mail it, but uh, <laughs> but I had to go in front of the one of the school advisors and she interviewed me for it and she said, what church you, what church you go to? It ain't a cow in Texas would have made me say the assemblies of God or the church of God or the Pentecostal holiness because she would have given me a look and probably said something. So the sooner I was, I said, I knew what she was. I'm Methodist. 
Well, to tell you the truth, when I was 12 years old in revival, I did join the Methodist Church. I didn't know what I was doing when I did it, but, but I'm going to tell you a few Pentecostal, you feel with the Spirit, no matter what denomination you belong to, you ought to be proud of it. Amen. For that's the ones he said, I'm going to pour out my Spirit in the last days. On who? On his Christians that we might do what he did and what his apostles did. I am not ashamed that I speak in tongues or speak in other languages because there's times in my life in the past few weeks that I didn't know how to pray about something and the word come to me in my mind, when you don't know how to pray, let the Spirit of God pray for you, and you just pray in the Holy Ghost. You don't know what he said, but when you get through, you know it's well taken care of, my friend. God has handled every bit of it. Oh, hallelujah. We ought to refuse the devil's plan for us. We need to refuse what this world has to offer. Refuse to allow this world system to move in our life. Now, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell you, I pray sometimes. I pray sometimes, God, if you would, if it's according to your will, would you send some huge rock through space and come by and just take down every one of these electronic things. <laughs> I know some of you think, huh? I see people sitting at tables texting to each other. Don't they care on a conversation? God help us. Listen to me. He's not going to send a text when he comes. Hallelujah. It's going to be the voice of the archangel. He's going to cry, Behold, the Lord cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Oh, hallelujah. I feel it. Glory to God. Now, let me tell you something. Moses could have stayed there, and he could have been Pharaoh. I said that a while ago. We could have watched him recently on Discovery Channel when they raised up his embalmed, mummified body, uh, or National Geographic could be doing a lot of things like they do on television. Here's a man died 4,000 years ago, da-da-da. And you'd rather have a name in the world or a name with Jesus. Because when God buried Moses, he wouldn't even tell the devil where he's at. And for years, the devil would speak to archangels and say, where is Moses' body buried? None of your business, devil. The last time Moses was seen was on Mount Transfiguration with Elijah and Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, would you rather be in the ground somewhere with a big monument over you and a big long history of how great you are, or had you rather appear with the Lord Jesus Christ and his prophets, hallelujah. That's what I'm shooting for, my friend, to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you think Moses is a great man? Uh, he lost his temper one time, but he's a great man. 
He suffered much. I pastor about 100 people or so. I don't know how many it is. I don't count. He had thousands. He finally got him some people that he put over each tribe trying to help. Biggest complainers in the world. Always complaining. Send manna from above. Heart eating this manna. Heavenly food. That's where a lot of churches are today. They don't want to hear the word either. Whew. I'll tell you what Jesus said. Matthew 11 and 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that is born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That don't make too much sense, except John the Baptist wasn't in the kingdom. If we could understand as a church we're in a kingdom, the final thing that God wanted to bring about, and you're part of it. You're part of it. And I don't care if you live for him, if you'll suffer for him, your reward will be greater than John the Baptist. That's why I didn't say that. He said it. I'm about to get through. This 20 minutes to 12. Hebrews 11, 25 said, Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. There was pleasure in sin in those days. We even see and read where those people that were delivered had their wild, fornicated problems while Moses was on the mountain of God getting the word of God for. I sometimes I can understand where God said that in the book of Genesis. I'll just destroy them all. But Noah found grace in his eyes. I'm glad he did. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm glad I'm on my way to heaven. Aren't you? I'm telling you, the pleasures of sin. It's not worth it. I'm trying to cut it short. Just give me a few minutes. Leonard Ravenhill, you probably don't know him, but one of the greatest preachers probably back in the middle and early 1900s, maybe a little bit later than that. He said something. I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. But it's something I want you to consider. And I want you to let it sink deep down in your heart. He said, entertainment is the devil's substitute for the joy of the Lord in the life of a Christian. i read it to you again. Entertainment is the devil's substitute for the joy of the Lord and the life of a Christian. 
if you're always wanting to be entertained, whether it's church or outside church, something's missing in your joy. What if God told every one of us, turn off your television for a month? I remember as a young Christian, I had two boys. I gave them, I gave them a television away. I just took it out of the house and gave it away. Now, if you want a new television, that's one way to do it, because about a week later, my daddy bought a brand new television and put it back in my living room <laughs> on count of the grandchildren. But I'm going to tell you, most of what you see on television is not fit to look at. And they got it like this, step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. And it just gets worse and worse. Nothing, nothing satisfies the flesh. It always wants more. And the devil knows it. How important is it to make the right decision? Moses made it. How can we suffer for Christ? Start living right. You live right on the job. Let's, let's, let's see how many sits down we at the table at lunch. You want to know about letting him start talking to me about Jesus Christ? I've heard all that I want to hear. Hello? Jesus didn't tell me people had to accept what I said. He just told me I had to say it. I have to witness. You have to witness. They're not putting us in jail yet, but could be very close. Do you realize how bad things is getting? Do you realize that I was told reliably that California is trying to pass a law that says n n no books can be in their state that has any controversial statements in it? Now, what is he talking about? What's controversial to them? And this Bible is controversial to the whole world. Amen. I'm just telling you, I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm just telling you, you've got to know the devil's heart. He is trying to bring this thing to an end as far as the church is concerned. And there's one scripture that worries me. A scripture that Jesus said, When I come, will I find faith? I don't think he was saying it in a way that he knew that he wasn't going to find faith. I think he was saying it in a way to remind us that we must keep the faith even to the end. We've got to believe, regardless of what they do. Do you not realize what they've done? They took God out of our school? We, we talk about these millennials. You raise where there's... No God, no church. Then you go off to college. And them, those demons there, they, they, they teach them everything contrary to what the Word of God says. Is it hopeless? No. There's a thing called being born again that will change the lives of men and women. Listen, we don't have long to work. I'm going to ask you to make a decision. 
to get up off our pews and go to work for Jesus. Quit worrying about what you don't like and start emphasizing on him because you'll like him. You'll love him. Stand with me if you will.